I think I might have mentioned that I quite like music. Uh, I listen to it quite a lot. It relaxes me. It excites me. It does all sorts of things to me. And I know exactly what music to listen to if I want to change a mood or achieve a mood. And I am slowly rebuilding a vinyl collection of which I am proud. I've stopped buying secondhand vinyl. Um, maybe I should, maybe I should go back to it because new vinyl is pretty damn expensive but i am slowly but surely building up a series of albums that and i just love sitting on the sofa and listening to it and then getting up and turning it over and i enjoy the sort of mechanical involvement of it but i i don't know that i could live without streaming uh, streaming from my phone when i'm in my car um, streaming via the earpods, whatever they're called, those I Apple things. I don't know what they're called. But when I'm out and about with my phone and then I've got a, um, a home pod. So if I'm sitting working at the computer, I can stream music through what is not bad sound quality through the home pod. But I always feel a little guilty because I'm told by musicians and I'm told by many articles that I read about music that streaming is very, very good for the consumer. It's terrible for the artist. So my ears pricked up when I read. Can your ears prick up when you're reading something? Anyway, an, an article on the BBC a couple of days ago which said that Universal and Deezer, which is one of the top streaming services, are collaborating to create a new artist-centric streaming model. Jason Curtis is a media communications specialist and joins us now. Jason, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John, and uh, thank you for inviting me. The, because, I mean, the streaming model as it is at the moment, you really, as an artist, have to achieve an enormous number of stream downloads before you make any money out of a song. Absolutely. I mean, basically, of the entire ecosystem, 3% are the only, that's the only number that's making any money in streaming, and that's globally. Okay, I mean, so South African artists who put their music as in the hopes that people will listen to it and find it and download it and then download the, the rest of the catalogue, however small or big mm. that is. They're not making any money out of that. If they're going to make any money, it's out of composing jingles for television commercials or doing live gigs and so on. Correct, correct. But the, the interesting thing about the article, John, that, that you mentioned was um, it was something that's been muted for a while. And um, recently, earlier in the year, um, a gentleman by the name of uh, Meng Rukayuk, who owns a company called uh, uh, BandLab. Um, he was in South Africa doing a, he was a keynote speaker at Music Exchange, um, a music conference. And basically what he spoke about was that uh, you talk about South African artists, obviously, we, you know, we're not the Black Eyed Peas, we're not the, the Bruce Springsteens of the world. But um, he argued that if you have a fan base of an active fan base of around about a thousand active uh, followers, you can make money. And part of what Deezer is doing here is kind of just piggybacking that that logic, where you talk about algorithms obviously driving streaming consumption, whereas what Deezer and Universal are saying is taking the power back from the algorithm and making it curated by the fans. And if it, if there is active particip participation by the fans, they get a double boost, which basically means they get twice the amount of royalty over a thousand streams on a particular track. So it's a fascinating concept. Is it a concept that is going to 
I mean, is it going to double a tiny amount? And double a tiny amount is still a tiny amount, or does it have the potential mm. to make a meaningful contribution to an artist, musical artist's bank account? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a fair point. I think the the argument here is to put the power back into the hands of the, the artist, but more importantly of the fans, because basically what these are saying is don't rely on the algorithm to tell you what the next best thing is based on what you've been playing. Choose it yourself. Go out and do the heavy lifting, and then we will reward the artist accordingly. Um, so it's a, it's a different mindset with... Obviously, with Spotify and Apple Music, it's so algorithmically driven that you basically you, you, you have no control over it, whereas what these are saying is take the power back um, and you know, just pay attention, a bit like you were saying, taking out the vinyl, putting it onto the turntable, being actively present in the choices that you make rather than having a bot tell you what you should be listening to. But I quite like that, Jason. I'm sorry. I, I, I feel that I feel that I should <laughs> whisper that rather than say it out loud because I have I have found a lot of really interesting music as sure. a result of saying uh, hearing a song on the radio and going actually I haven't I haven't listened to Deep Purple for a very very long time. I wonder what's happened to the surviving members of Deep Purple and. Then I find Richie Blackmore, and I found that he's married a young American folk singer, and, and they've now got this, um, this band called Blackmore's Night, and they're doing this wonderful kind of Fairport Convention stuff. And if it weren't for, if it weren't for the algorithms, there's a lot of music that I have downloaded, which I otherwise wouldn't have known about and therefore wouldn't be playing. Yeah, sure. And I think, you know, the algorithm doesn't take that away from you. The thing is, the profile that you've built up over time remains yours. So it, it will keep doing that thing that it's always done. But when it comes to self-curation, where you decide, I, I tell you, John, there's this new artist, you should go and seek it out. The, the more you seek it out yourself, the more the, the, the artist is rewarded. So, yes, you, you can have the... You know, you, you can have the algorithm doing its work, but if, if you, as an active fan, actively participate, that serves uh, the music economy and uh, the, you know, the, the, the entertainment economy in a, in a very positive way. So I think that's one of, the, one of the upsides to this. And I think it's, you know, the rest will follow. They, they'll certainly have to follow because it's, it's been a bear bug for ever since streaming's been around, but the percentage paid to artists is so minuscule. I mean, for Spotify, 0.0007 cents per, you know, per play. And the point of what Deez is trying to do here is cut out the noise, cut out the mm. clutter, because there's 100,000 songs being uploaded onto these platforms daily. So it's trying to reduce the amount of noise. Really, Jason, 100,000 yeah. new songs a day, every day. A day, yeah. And remember, that's compounded by the fact that you now have AI-generated and basically just mood music that's being generated. So it's, you're all competing. Everyone's competing against that that you know, gargantuan piece that uh, no one can get to the top of. So I think this is Deezer's attempt at trying to cut out as much noise as possible. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give up, John. It'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know it'll be okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, I, I, oh, 
Because when I interview artists, I try to remember to say to them, is there a particular platform that you would like people to download your music from, a a platform that you find works best for you? I don't always remember to ask that because one mustn't just think we're all selfish to one degree or another and we get caught up in our own enjoyment of this wonderful Aladdin's cave filled with new familiar music you know and we forget about the artist sometimes so we do we do and this is hopefully going to refocus that but the onus is on the fan as much as it is on the artist so the harder you work theoretically uh, the more the more money you can make jason curtis thank you very much indeed media media communications specialist